a playlist original. Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your hosts, Gaius and Jackson. How's it going, buddy? Man, it's going fantastic. Just got off a, well, a long weekend for me, not holiday related, but uh, got to spend some time in another city, got to visit uh, some of my best friends, and honestly, I'm just so hyped right now because I got off. You ever have one of those movie watching experiences that just kind of re? Obviously, you love movies, but you have one of those watches yeah. that reignites your passion for cinema and like kind of reminds you and grounds you into why you love movies so much. I had one yeah. of those watches over the weekend, and I've been dying to talk about it. And it sounds kind of ridiculous. Someone that loves movies of the caliber that we do. This is the first time I ever watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off on Friday night with one of my best friends. Yeah. Man, yeah, that was hilarious. You were you text me, <laughs> I messaged uh, you right messaged away. me that, that you messaged me that, and uh, the, I could feel your enthusiasm like through the DM. Right. About, yeah, about I was the like movie. halfway watched, I was like, yeah, I gotta <laughs> let them know like, how like the movie truly lives up to the hype and it might even surpass it. It was way better yeah. than I even could have thought. And I had so much fun watching it, and don't know why I kind of underlooked or for, had forgotten that it was john hughes like i knew that he yeah. i knew his big ones and i know he had done movies that i probably hadn't like seen before but like just kind of struck me that it said written and directed by john hughes and yeah. after the his name rolls across the opening credits i'm like okay i know we're in for a really good this is going to be better than i even realized but yeah to right. anyone that's listening is probably like okay how did you let this much time go before you see it Came out in 86 and still to this day, I think insanely relevant and definitely holds up over all these years later. It has a lot of longevity to it. And I will be watching this one again soon. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <sighs> so when that came out, when that came out, I was all of two. When that movie was released, um, I saw that was my first John Hughes movie, though, nice. um, that I saw. And it is. God, is it? But man, near perfect comedy. I think. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it. It's like it's I pretty it fun. A 10. I write it on. Yeah, IMDb from right start after. to finish. Yep. Yeah, it's from start to finish. It's pretty funny. It's a good freaking vehicle for Matthew Broderick. He like kills it. I mean, they're actually everyone in the movie is really good. Everyone, but of course fantastic. he. Yeah. Of course he's uh, leading the charge in that. Uh, I was disappointed to learn. I mean, it se it seems like things got better as the filming progressed, but. John Hughes, uh, Matthew Broderick said that John Hughes was like kind of difficult okay. uh, to work with in the beginning. And he found himself like, I guess, giving Matthew Broderick like kind of like notes, but like they weren't really like constructive notes. <sighs> like, hey, like, oh, I don't like what you did in that one particular scene. Okay, well, explain like kind of what Why? I did that you didn't right. like. And he's like, well, I can't really, you know, that kind of passive aggressive. I can't really explain it. Just do yes. it different. Just, yeah. And, okay. And it, and I think uh, I forgot who he said he uh, the person that he wanted, but he thinks initially that he didn't really necessarily want him for that part. Uh, but then that's what he kind of felt. But I read elsewhere that John Hughes really likes him for the part. So maybe it might be a matter of like miscommunication. Yeah, and, like, I read like after that. that John Hughes didn't think anybody but Matthew Broderick could pull off the role. Yeah, so the it might be ability of that though, but. Yeah, it might be Matthew Broderick kind of reading into it differently back then. Perhaps. Uh, you know, uh, but he said things got better as uh, filming progressed. But, you know, you hate hearing about those little yes. things about movies you love. You're like, oh, well, I thought but, I wanted to be like all kumbaya on set. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> 100%. I'm sure that he had, and I don't know, this is complete speculation, but he would have been hot off the success of Breakfast Club from the year before. Like, definitely yeah. was a titan of the teen angst comedy at that time and had a vision and i'm sure he really wanted to follow up that success and 
I yeah. like I told you, like I have to put those, I have to rank those movies against each other. I think here soon because I've seen Breakfast Breakfast Club many times. Um, yeah. I have not seen this yet, and I feel like uh, this is the most I've enjoyed a film in I don't know how long. At least one that like <clears throat> from like that far back. Like there's been some new releases I've quite enjoyed, but um, I definitely look forward to stacking those up against each other because that movie just blew me out of the water. Yeah, it's so I told you Breakfast Club is my favorite. Yes. Of the John Hughes movies. Uh, it was my second John Hughes movie. So I was I was like, whoa, this is even better than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. At least, like, right. I, of course, very, the very different movies. I mean, they're both funny, but Breakfast Club definitely has, like, a more dramatic uh, lean to it during yes. certain scenes. Um, I, al- I always found it amazing that John Hughes could write teenagers so well. Right. And, like, and, like also, and then maybe not knowing this, that this would maybe be the case, but universally writing them so well that even today, those movies still feel very relevant and yep. they don't feel, they don't feel dated in their approach to teenage angst. Cause like, it's like, Oh, I, I definitely have gone mm. through some of that. You know, like, so it's certainly it's especially through, like the character of Cameron. Yeah. And I would even say, even though I love my teen films of the late nineties, early two thousands. Yes. I don't think that, any of them and like i mean anyone can like message us if you think i'm wrong don't tap in in a realistic way the way that those john hughes movies did in the 80s like there is something about them that yeah they're great and like there's something about the 90s ones that are of the time that like oh i recognize that i'm familiar with that but the overall like raw emotion of them i think the 90s didn't even match uh, what john hughes was doing you're not hearing any arguing from me man i i've said it before and i'll say it again like the 80s just holds such a special place in like cinema history for me. Like it's my favorite decade yeah. probably by a landslide. And I think like this would be another example of like why that is. And you're right. He right. writes his comedies have such a substance to them beyond just what you're seeing on the screen and like the funny antics that the characters get up to from beginning to end that I think is really um, not present from, I think probably pretty much since at least not to that degree, they're not, that substance isn't present present in comedies since that era right. you're definitely right there are some awesome teen comedies and there's definitely some standouts from the 2000s as well like super bad that really hit the nail on the head but for the yeah. most part i don't think we get them like we did when john hughes was making them and it really shows and definitely after seeing so much like stuff just slog from the machine over the years like seeing this with a brand new set of eyes brand new for the first time like really was eye-opening as to how great of a filmmaker he was yeah, I mean, a great writer, a great filmmaker. Um, it's funny too because we, when we did Can't Hardly Wait, I think it was Mark, uh, or maybe you are Mark that mentioned that like it seemed like Can't Hardly Wait in some ways was like very much influenced by like the John Hughes like 80s teen right. movies. Um, and, but even even in that influence though, even though there are characters in Can't Hardly Wait that you can identify with, yes. there's also a little bit of a character that are attached to some of them where it feels like they're not complete. They don't feel totally real. At least all of them. Like mm-hmm. when you're watching like a John Hughes movie, like every single person almost feels like a living, breathing person that you could know. Like you're like, Oh, I either was that person in high school or I knew that person yes. <laughs> in high school. And that is a, uh, I mean, very unique thing for, I mean, I've always been amazed that he could do that. Like, and he wasn't a teenager anymore, of course, like <laughs> writing this stuff. So like, but he could really speak uh, to youth then and was able to, maintain that voice even now with those movies and i interesting thing about though is that i love breakfast club ferris bueller and then i think another two that are frequently mentioned are like 16 candles and yes. like pretty in pink they My are good but I, 
they're good, but I always think they're like a little bit lower than them as far as like you know quality. And not it's hard to say that I don't think they're bad. They're highly right. entertaining. But, but those other but, two are definitely uh, like Magnum. Breakfast Club and Fairless Pure is so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely, you, I mean, you can't go wrong with a full John Hughes tea movie night if you wanted no, to do that. I, I'm thinking of just binging like his <laughs> uh, his you know his more uh, uh, mainstream filmography here because it's been a while. There's some like Sixteen Candles and and uh, Pretty in Pink I have not seen. I have I got my mom for was Mother's Day or her birthday a few years ago like this special edition of Sixteen Candles because she loves that movie yeah. and loves Molly Ringwald. So we have that set aside sometime when we make the time to watch it. And I feel like this might be, yep. you know, the catalyst for that. And I definitely got to revisit Breakfast Club because I found myself in this uh, not existential crisis, but kind of in a way of where I don't know, like, did this just challenge this movie for me? Because I got to hold Breakfast Club to such a high standard. And that's not that my enjoyment for Ferris Bueller or whatever, like, take away from that movie. But, like, I think I just found, like, a genuine yeah. competitor for my favorite John Hughes. So, Anyway, I've been dying to get yeah. it off my chest. I loved it so much. It felt so good to come off a watch like that. It was fantastic. And I did it in a double feature with um, another first-time watch for the most part. I, I think I saw about half of this movie one time, but How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. We went back-to-back -back on it. So it was a good little Friday night movie nice. watch. It was fun. Yeah. So that's a solid uh, solid rom-com. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's, it's, I mean, it kind of started the whole, for better or worse, it started Matthew McConaughey doing a lot of those movies in a row. Like, was that, romantic was that comedies. Like one of his earlier ones? I didn't know if he so had been that, doing them So that time. one was the, that was the first one that, like, it was a huge hit when it came out. Right. And then they were like, all right, keep doing that. <laughs> Just do that. <laughs> and then they actually had him reteam with, like, Kate Hudson again for, uh, Fool's Gold, I think. And didn't do as yes. well. And then he did, like, Failure to Launch and, Ghosts of Girlfriends. Pat, he did so many in a row after yes. that movie. Until Killer um, Joe but came that was around. Like, yeah, there you go. And then, like, and that's what you need to get me. That's what you need to break out of the rom com. Phase. That's right. Uh, that, uh, but I do. I love. I actually like the hook and How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and I actually I think they're both very really like clever. Yeah, and we yeah. mentioned this even in the last episode we just recorded that that's not my genre at all. But like, I had a good time watching it. Yeah. Kate Hudson. I don't think I'd seen her act in anything. Really, did not know what I was going to get out of her, and I thought she was like quite enjoyable, honestly. How, how did that one come about for you to watch? As a double uh, so I was watching this with my good friend, like my oldest friend, Madison. Um, so shout uh -huh. out Madison on the chance that you're listening. Um, we, I think we were just kind of sitting in a, 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 her and her boyfriend. It was the, the three of us. We were just sitting on the couch and browsing and we can go on a browsing binge. Like she knows like how much I love movies and we're probably trying to yeah. settle on one that we're all going to like. That everyone um, be happy with. <laughs> and then I had mentioned, I was like, oh, I haven't seen Ferris Bueller because we were, I think we were on Netflix and uh, she goes, oh, okay, that's it. That's what we're watching. I was like, yes, because that's what I wanted to watch. Yeah. And I'm glad we weren't watching. Just I didn't know we could have watched anything. Like we ended up the next day watching some god awful new Netflix comedy that I was could hardly stand. Oh, so uh, I knew I was going to get something <laughs> good when we watched Ferris Bueller. And then after that, it was like still yeah. fairly early in the night, and I don't remember exactly, but uh, we kind of came across something more up her alley, but that I was on board with watching, and so we threw that on yeah. at her suggestion and i uh, thought it was awesome i mean i'm always down for matthew mcconaughey and i i needed to see it's of the rom-com era like that's definitely one of the the top ones so i needed to be in on it but i did fall asleep for a bit but not against the movie that was yeah that was on me <laughs> the romantic comedy so they're like a mixed bag so a lot of people Certainly. assume that i like them a, i like them a lot and i don't really like them a lot um <laughs> but the but the really good ones i do like like uh, so right. I, I how couldn't you so my favorite one is my best friend's wedding. I think that one is like solid. 
like a solid okay. uh, romantic comedy. Have not and, seen uh, it. It's Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz. Uh, Dermot Mulroney. I always get confused with Dylan McDermott. So I had to make sure right. I said it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dermot Mulroney is awesome. Uh, and it's like such a like that Dermot Mulroney and Julia Roberts are best friends and they promise each other if they're not married by the time I think it's 30 or something like whatever, they'll marry each other. Right. And then then he calls her and he's like, Oh, I have something to tell you. And he's like, Jules, like I met someone and she's like flabbergasted. He's like, yeah, we're getting married. Like whatever. It's so soon. Right. And he wants her there. Cause like, I I don't know if this is happening in real life, but he basically wanted her to be like almost like his best man. Cause she was like, I mean, his best friend. Um, so Julia Roberts, who at you know at this time is a romantic comedy queen, right? She's usually the good girl in those movies. Like you, you're rooting for her. Yep. But she is, but she's systematically in a very funny way trying to like break them right. up. Yes. And but you that. also like you also like Cameron Diaz, even though she's kind of a, her character's kind of like rich and snobby, but like she is a good person. She has a good heart. Right. And you you have to watch like Julia Roberts is like pitch perfect in it though. Like she's just you know. You also need to like kind of you want to root for her too because it's Julia Roberts. You know, it's yes. like oh, we want you to, we want that's, you to win. That's you- a love angle. <laughs> I think the audience is supposed to root for. Right. right. Um, fun fact about that movie: it came out the same weekend as Batman and Robin, and oh. by the end of its by the end of its run, made more money. So oh, there's that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so funny and well done, and the cast is really good. But yeah, there's there's but there's to add to that though. For every good one, there is a plethora of awful ones. Certainly, <laughs> yes, there are, and they really drag the genre down. Fortunately, which is why I think that they don't really do all that well in theaters anymore. Like, yeah, like, this is like, yeah, the trend I, it, that could has be a, shifted. It's, and you know, box office talks. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, this was a solid double feature. Uh, yeah, no, it really was. I, I was say. very happy. It was a great night of movie watching, and I was so anxious or not anxious enthusiastic like you'd said to to chat fairs be like i can't believe i'd let it go that long and i found myself really kicking myself i really wish i'd watched this as in, like in my youth like as an adolescent like this would have been such a good watcher in high school time like i'll never get to experience that and i really wish i had but i'm glad i got it in when i did because yeah i saw blast. it young i was young but it, it hits different in high school i remember when we watched mm. watched it maybe my sophomore or junior year it That's definitely awesome. hits a lot. It definitely hits a lot differently because it really is the ultimate teenage fantasy. So like, you know, yep. I'm going to skip school for the exactly. day. And then like, none of that would happen to us. But like, you know, it's it's cool that like, you know, in movie yep. world, you can, that could happen. And exactly. he's, and then the character is such a likable dude. Like, it's just, you know, it's hard, like, not you to know root for him in some way. I found <laughs> funny, like, I found myself thinking like, he's very much like not, I mean, there's moments, and again, I've only had the one watch under my belt, so I probably won't remember it as like vividly as yourself, who's seen it multiple times. But I remember thinking, like, very much that it feels like Cameron's story, and I feel like uh, even though like what Ferris is doing, the decisions that he's kind of ushering yeah. him into throughout the movie are like in good spirits to kind of wake him up to the life around him, very much gets him in trouble at his own expense, like many times with the movie. So the point where I was like, he's not exactly being what you would describe as a great friend. Good friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But that is true. That is true. (laughs) A lot to be said during about that dynamic. And a lot has been said. I was like just YouTubing it afterwards to see what everybody said about it. Cause I really had no spoilers for that movie. I'd seen clips here and there and was aware of some scenes, but Really did not know where that movie went, which again I would recommend if to not spoil it yeah. if you're gonna watch it. But really interesting first time watch, and I yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I don't think I could trust anyone if they told me they didn't like it. I think I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, well, Hard I guess you don't to like. See, why would you not like it? <laughs> well, well, like, I guess you don't like. Everybody. You don't like good things, I guess. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what? I gave that a ten. We all look at it more analytically upon rewatches, but just in terms of how that movie made me feel when I was done. It was one of those instances. I think that's the. I think that is the overall thing that movie needs to do. I mean, it's not one you need to like kind of overly examine, right? right? It's not really deep, right. but like, but the yeah. thing is, it makes you laugh. It is. It's cleverly written too, and like the performers are. Everyone's. I like. I mean, I know I gave most of the credit to Matthew Broderick, but everyone's good in the movie. Alan Ruck's really great in it. Like the whole cast is really. They're having a lot of fun. You can tell that it was. I mean, other than maybe that few uh, kerfuffle between John Hughes and Matthew Broderick, but yeah. like, it seemed like it was a fun thing to do. And like, I remember, like, even I still to this day, but even more so when I was young. Once you get to the whole like Duncan Shane thing, and like, it's just like it just you just feel so good. By the time you get yes. to that point in the movie, it's just like they're like, wow, I want that. Why can't that be my life? I mean, <laughs> when I skipped school, I definitely didn't. Have, I have that adventure at all. I think I went to like this place called El Burrito Junior that was right next to our high school, yeah. and like ditched with, ditched with my friends to get Mexican food. That was the extent of my uh, right not going not going similar. to class. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't definitely near school. Yes. Yeah. Definitely wasn't getting uh, expensive cars and shit and uh, not all that yeah. madness. There was a, yeah. That's the first God, thing my dad we... mentioned. I told them my parents <laughs> that we watched it and he goes, Oh yeah. How about the scene where they drive the Ferrari through the through the yeah. wall at the end? I was like, Yeah, so, <laughs> crazy. It's funny that's so what good. remember. Yeah. Anyway, couldn't so recommend good. enough to people that maybe haven't seen it, especially any listeners maybe at that time where that movie takes place, like those of you in late high or any time in high school, like watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Could not recommend it enough. 10 out of 10 stars. Yeah. And Jackson. Honestly, Jack- Jackson talking about watching it kind of inspired. Like, I was like messaging him. I was like, dude, we should do like a director showcase on the show. Yes. Like, that was picking, a fantastic a diff- picking a different one. And, and and he would be a good one to do. I mean, because his, his movies are kind of all a little bit over the map. I mean, like, he did a lot of good teen stuff. I mean, but, you know, there's various degrees of like some people think some are great, some are like kind of in the middle. Right. Um, like my friends love weird science. I I haven't watched it in so long that I don't really remember much of it. Okay, um, that'd be a good watch for us to chat about. Yeah, I think I remember liking it in the moment, but I just haven't seen it in so long. Uh, okay. But one of my buddies loves weird science. Like he was like, oh, it's, he thinks it's better than Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I was like, well, oh, I mean, I can't say, say that right now because okay. I need to rewatch it. But I'm pretty I'm... sure once I rewatch Weird Science, I'll be like, man, okay, it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> it's a, it, I've it's heard a of Weird Science. Movie. <laughs> Never could have told you it was John Hughes, though. So that's interesting. I would definitely check. That I mean, out. he's written so many random. I mean, he wrote Home Alone. I mean, yeah, it's just so it, crazy. Yeah. Like he's written so many things. Like that's right. You know, he and we lost that guy way too soon. Too. That's un- yeah, like, unfortunate. Or something. Was it? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, way too soon. Like he had a damn. Um, but you know all those you know it's interesting because all those actors that you know people like Molly Ringwald that felt some kind of way about some of those movies like especially showing them to her kids now like there's certain mm-hmm. things that maybe don't age as well now sure. uh, in general but I mean for the most part even her like a lot of those actors talk about that time and then working with him and uh, doing his stuff and how special it, it felt special then and the fact that it's still special to not just people that grew up watching it then like to right. i mean my brothers watched those movies like he was definitely not around when those movies were out in the 80s right and they, they're just i think they just have something very universal about them that uh not every writer can say that it. 
So that's no. like, you know, that's and he was really able to do that. I was like, I'll be watching those. I'm like, how do I identify with like teenagers from the freaking 80s? But I do <laughs> <laughs> like, how, like, OK, yeah. But kudos to him. That means he just knew how to he knew exactly he what really created the push when it came to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you also watched uh, Mission Impossible, right? Or Mission yes. Impossible. Fallout, Fallout the, the the most recent one in anticipation for Dead Reckoning, which um, I know we had discussed going through yeah. those this time. Like this is only my second run through of those movies, and I this time around I only started at Ghost Protocol, the, the fourth one. And man, like just been having a blast watching those movies. It really, I mean, it's all in, thanks to, to Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie, but they really reignited my faith in like the modern action blockbuster. That, those in the John Wicks. Yeah. I think stand apart yeah. from, from the rest, but uh, fallout was again, it's been said and I'll just reiterate it, but I mentioned off camera, best movie, best action movie in the last 10 years to which you followed up ever. And yeah, I, like can't even deny it. It's special. It's solid. I mean, he, what they, what they've been able to do. So here's how I look at it with the last, like the beginning with four, I guess. Yep. I feel like what Brad bird did with ghost protocol kind of set, a new tone for where they could go and then and then christopher kind of took that and then answered up time sent absolutely and and ran with it because like i mean i've i guess i think i told you that ghost protocol tends to be like the fan favorite and i think that's because it reignited that franchise again after the third one um like i told you the third one is now probably considered the one that's probably better than you remembered it was because at the time it came out like i told you during the whole like Tom Cruise, Scientology. Yeah. Was this after? His, was it Katie Holmes that he was with when he was jumping on the on Oprah's yeah, couch? Uh, yeah, Oprah's yeah. couch. Yeah. There was this whole this whole that whole period of like, yeah. oh, like you're 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 a lot right now. Yes. Uh, but Granted, I, I've and, always liked the third one. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I have too. I, mean, I remember when I saw it in theaters, I was like, this is still pretty good. I mean, I don't I mean, however you felt much, about him at the time, it was yeah, like it's much better than the second one, if you ask me. Yeah, and I was like, "Yo, we got to give Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, credit for being mm. a fucking scary fucking villain." I mean, oh, not just yeah. a good villain, but he was frightening. I was like, "I don't know what this guy's going to do next." <laughs> like, yeah. that's how frightening he was in it. And who would um, thought old Philip Seymour Hoffman would be that intimidating? But no, he really delivers. Yeah, he's really good. Um, I, I, I'm enjoying everyone on Instagram and Twitter rewatching these right now because I'm. <laughs> it, it's been really cool to see like where they rank them and. Yes. I, I didn't really I, I swear I didn't really notice this because I haven't watched it in so long. But like I told you, I'm like I'm looking online and I was like, I didn't know the second one was like that's the shitty one. Apparently, like no <laughs> one likes it. Man, <laughs> and- there are like four <laughs> fake mask fake outs in the second one. It's literally ridiculous. it's so overdone. I don't really remember much else from the second one other than it opens up with, like I mentioned to you two, one of the crazier stunts in in the yeah. whole series of Tom Cruise just free climbing that cliff and makes like probably yeah. an eight foot jump. Like of all the stuff he does in the movies, like subsequently, like hanging off a plane, climbing the Burj Khalifa, like that cliff uh, climbing, like free climbing stunt is yeah. so nerve wracking to watch. But when was the last time you went through all of them? It's been a while. I think because uh, I didn't watch all of them before Fallout. Okay. Um, See, that's when I watched so them I think, in anticipation. So I think the last time I watched all of them was up with Rogue Nation was coming out. And that's when I rewatched them all again. I see. Okay. Uh, and uh i mean overall i mean it's probably still one of the most consistent action franchises i mean if you're not to be like if you're going to be nitpicky yeah the second one a lot of people don't like it but i mean 
out of what how many movies now we're at seven, seven? We're going, yeah exactly going at, at seven. seven you got if you got one stinker out of seven then like i think you're in a pretty good and starting spot. with the third they i'd say they increase in maybe arguably between four and five they yeah you can switch those Dude, around i mean they pretty much get better every movie I think what was cool about when Ghost Protocol came out is how they re- they kind of platform released it, which is kind of like a weird thing to do for an action movie. But it opened in like a limited amount of theaters uh, around like the Christmas like holiday, uh. and it killed it. And it killed it in those limited amount of theaters, and everyone was like, "Oh, like this might be bigger than we thought." Because the third one made money, but not as much as even the second one did. Right. Um, so there, so it wasn't like a proven thing. And then there was a lot of like energy around goes like when we finally i saw it like a week after it came out i didn't see it in the limited release it was when it went wide i was surprised by how good it was because i wasn't expecting i mean i was like how much gas is left in this basically because right. i wasn't thinking of it as like you know oh, you're gonna keep going and going and going with this i'm and, sure they didn't know it it was and that fourth one is like a shot in the arm it's just like it's like this is like new it's like we're starting from scratch not that i didn't like the third one right but it really felt like all right we're starting over and yep. like we're not playing we're not fucking around <laughs> that's what it kind of feels like my own, right. uh i kind of wish we would have seen some of those newer characters in that one and and the future ones like i know jeremy renner was in like the next one but paula Patton, uh i thought she was a good uh female presence in ghost protocol I agree. uh john and other reese myers was pretty good in it too uh, i was talking to an, another critic on twitter and he was like i thought it was interesting too that those couple of people didn't come back because actually paula Patton got a lot of good reviews for ghost protocol everyone yes. liked her um uh, uh, not reason, sure why she I never yeah i don't know what it is I mean, they did. I mean, they ended up replacing her with some more great female energy, and like the right. in the next few. Rebecca, so that's great. Brought a great presence to those last couple of movies, and yeah. looking forward to her in this. And I'm and I'm hearing uh, Ailey Atwell is amazing in this new one. She's getting a lot of uh, kudos uh, for her performance in this. Um, also, love in everyone's rewatch. I know it's not everyone's favorite, but I love the acknowledgement of at least the style of Brian De Palma's first movie. Mm. I kind of wish that they all had that. Like right. that first movie has like such a distinct like espionage spy thriller. Like it's really old school. Yes. And I don't think that any, and it hasn't been matched by any of the rest of them in terms of like its visual style. And I kind of wish that they did that. That's the one thing I think Brian De Palma did really, really fantastic with Agreed. in the and first movie. It's been a long time since I revisited his, but you're right. Where the at least from three onwards, I feel they all really lean into the like contemporary action uh, tropes and whatnot, and yeah. are the are the best of like what we have from like modern action movies. Whereas you're totally right, Brian's is more of a classic espionage thriller. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Oh, I'm also nervous. Moments, nervous I'm nervous for a movie. Movie web. I have to. I'm writing a feature this week about how uh, I wish Tom Cruise would challenge himself more as an actor. Okay. Um, okay. Because, you know, he's just been not that it's bad. I mean, he's good at this. I mean, he's. Yes. He's, I mean, he's a glorified stuntman now, though. I just kind of miss like a good performance from him. That's, yes, acting chops, which I feel like you haven't really seen. Someone said Tropic Thunder. Okay, I'll throw that in there. That was funny. But like, I'm, but to me, I haven't really seen it since like Collateral. And I think that was in like 2008 or nine, whenever that movie came. Oh, that could be, yeah, yeah, it could be even later than that. Tropic Thunder is 2008. I think it's 2004. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. Um, So like, yeah, that's a great, that's the last time I feel like I saw it. Like, I mean, this is a man who he's been nominated for Academy Awards. He's ever won. Um, right. And but I don't see that happening anymore now. I don't think he's going to do any movies that will require him to flex his acting muscles. 
as much as he probably should. Like, but when you point to like a strong, when you put the strong Tom Cruise performances from like back, it's weird because I feel like his career, he did like the really good acting thing. And so, yes. like, you know, it's usually it's kind of like the reverse where it's like, oh, you started off in a bunch of action movies and then you got you got settled, you got older, then you went to like kind of show like what you're made of as an actor. And right. That's how it should your, be. But he's but he flipped, it, it was the opposite. Like, you know, like Jack Nicholson gets a lot of credit for a few good men, but it's Tom Cruise, what he gives him in that, that makes that Jack Nicholson performance great. Right. And then, you know, Dustin Hoffman does steal the show in Rain Man, but it is also Tom Cruise having to play straight to that and having that to like his, not, his nom comes from like his, wait, what his uh is does Tom get nominated for uh Rain Man as well? No, so he got no. uh, nominated for Born Born on the Fourth of July, uh right. Jerry Maguire, and Magnolia. Okay, so and, there's and he should have won for Magnolia. <laughs> uh, and I mean, if that's anyone yet or Jer- uh, Jerry Maguire, <laughs> and you know, that. like, but. Oh, you! I think you love Jerry Maguire. That's a I'm pretty sure I solid. Would. Uh, have you seen Almost Famous? No, no. Is Tom Cruise in that? Oh, no, no. It's Cameron Crowe. So, like, that's why I thought, oh, like, right. you, if, uh, you've seen yes, Almost, if, yes. if you've seen Almost Famous, like, the writing in Jerry Maguire is, like, okay. so strong. That's why that I, movie's uh, as good as it is. I've had Almost Famous pulled out, like, just for a special day for some reason for so long, and I've never gotten around to it, but, like, I... I had my eye on that movie forever, dude. That was my that was my high school movie, man. For a really uh, long time, it was nice. like it's so it's such a good like coming of age story. Yeah, right, again, yeah. again, did, again, did not grow up in that time period, but I'm like, I understand it. You don't need to <laughs> like though, everything right? about it. Everything know, about so it. That, that movie has the sequence on the bus where they're singing "Tiny Dancer" by Elton John. Tiny Dancer, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I have like glimpses of that scene and like that looks so awesome. I can't wait to watch. Yeah, that movie. it's so much. It's so good. But yeah, yes. like Tom, you know. Like he used to do like really fun challenging stuff. Like I mean, you're right. Say what you want about say what you want about interview with the vampire, but like I mean, I love him in like, that. Uh, but like, but Lestat, like, like that's a legit yes. villain performance. Like he goes all in yep. in that movie, and and Fantastic then of course like movie. the last thing, and then we look at Collateral, another villainous performance too, where he went all in, and like that's what I kind of want from it because I think that he he definitely has it in him. Like he's done it countless times, right? But now I feel like almost every role he's played recently is just a variation of Ethan Hunt. And that's kind of where we're at now. And I, I don't, I don't want to like. I'm thinking about writing it, and I don't want to bash him because I think it's, it's he's, he's a showman. I, I said it before. I think he's probably one of our last real living movie stars yep. right now, as far as like, Absolutely. you know, per, the entertainment he provides. But I also know that Other he's capable I. of doing much more than like jumping off cliffs and holding on to <laughs> airplanes and all so that. It's <laughs> interesting because I always like even just being fresh off the last. Uh, three Mission Impossible's. I've enjoyed his performance in every single one. I do think that he lends a good acting performance, but you're right. It is very much the same role. Um, right. One thing, this is a great like, segue into like a, something I am kind of worried about, and I don't know. I guess I'll have to judge after we get Dead Reckoning Part 2, but you know, he did have that quote recently saying that he, in following in the steps of Harrison Ford, he wants to be putting these movies out into his 80s. And I, I'm sure that a little bit of that is hyperbole, <laughs> but the fact yeah. that he's still willing to make at least like many more of these i'm kind of i'm kind of thinking like okay like i am nervous i have no doubt dead reckoning and dead reckoning 2 are going to be fantastic um but i'm like at one point do you go until they you start to see a decline in quality or should you kind of go while you're on top 
go out on top. Exactly. That's kind of what I'd like to see. A la, a la how John Wick should do things uh, yep. instead of making a fifth movie. You're right. um, you know, maybe that'll be a kind of a lesson to be learned in the future. Yeah. We'll see. You how know what? They go, uh, I, I was under the impression when they announced these as a part one, part two, that they're wrapping it up. But then, you know, the directors, the director said that they've talked about more stories. And I was like, oh, all right. And of course, what Tom Cruise said about doing them well into his 80s, which and I know will. could be like hyperbole or whatever, but yeah. I think I think he'll try. I He's think he'll definitely try. Now. And then that makes me like, uh, like you're gonna be doing these movies for the rest of your life. Like, get throwing like a good drop drama in there for me. Yeah, 100. percent like, I agree. <laughs> I don't need to see Mission Impossible 12. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. don't think any like as great and there's just such a legacy to these movies already. I just would hate to see it jeopardized or like you know, um hindered in any way just by oversaturation because like, we've seen that already with countless countless movie franchises i don't want to say that about mission impossible so i'm just i am worried not gonna lie but if they're good yeah, i want I mean, more too it's hard to draw the line yeah i mean the, the, a lot of people of course have compared it of course you know without switching out you know the main actor it's appeared a lot to like 007 like james bond and that keeps going and going of course now they've they switch out yeah, uh, so kind the, of the leading actor, yeah. right? So it's a little different, but and of course those go on too to various degrees of quality depending on how you feel yeah. about them. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question, man. Like, cause they they seem like they've been getting better Sir, with each I installment. Yep. So it's like you know, if you think you can keep doing it, I guess do it. Um, I just. I just want, you know what? He's like the acting equivalent of James Cameron. Like, I want you to do something else that's not just this. Like, yes. I mean, like yes. James Cameron, like, I, I I, know you want to, like, stay in Pandora, but I would love for you to make something else. <laughs> like, I mean, that's 100%. how I feel about Tom Cruise a little bit. Comparison. Um, because I am one of the people that doesn't care about Tom Cruise's personal life. I don't care about, like, the Scientology no. stuff. I don't care about any of that. Like, I mean, his job is to be a performer and put on a good show and, and that's he what does he does job damn well and he and he's and he's leaned that. into that so much i mean i he learned from that experience of like talking too much and he stopped mm -hmm. and he just like yeah. he just lets the work he lets let the work speak for itself and that's the best yeah. he that, that he should be able to do and like i respect him as as someone you can tell he loves cinema at least i i can tell that you can tell that he really cares about movies and absolutely you know, getting people out there to go see him i love the kind of public media support where he was like i'm gonna go pay to go see Oppenheimer. i'm gonna go pay to see barbie you need to go see all these movies in theaters yeah. because you know that you know we need to support each other like i believe it when he says it i mean I, he really cares about uh the industry and the profession 100 mm -hmm. so at least there's that at least you yes. have you know someone that really wants to get it done right but again and you know i just he should have an oscar too like he should yes, be able to, right. you know, i'm not saying i, he's, I think he's I'm got it i'm not saying he's right. so that but like yeah, I'm not saying that he needs to work towards it, but like, do something to like flex your acting chops a bit more. Like, I, I saw a little of it in Top Gun Maverick with that scene with Val Kilmer. Like, that was like, all right, all right, there's a there's that spark. Yes. <laughs> a little also, bit. Also, like, but, there's you know. years in between these last few Mission Impossible's. Like, Fallout came out in 2018, I believe. Um, Rogue Nation was 2015, so we've had a yeah, few so, yeah. years in between. Like, definitely enough to pump out um you know some oscar worthy performances but maybe maybe that's not you know we've heard other actors say that's not what uh, they're after the what not what they're what they for. Do. like sam jackson has come out to say that he's not chasing an oscar wouldn't be surprised for and i guess he probably would have had them from producing credits right so so uh maybe. yeah so Does he? uh he produced top gun he produced top gun maverick right. so if they if that would have won he would have uh 
gotten one. But uh, yeah, I mean, and I and honestly, make and I don't think he's an actor that really necessarily chased Oscars either. I mean, I think right. the no- stuff he was nominated for, he just happened to be really great in, and they had to acknowledge him. I mean, it was just like you know, I don't think he was yeah. really like a lot of those movies. Maybe Born on the Fourth of July, but like, I don't even think that is. And Jeremy Maguire didn't really feel like Oscar bait either, no. and neither did Magnolia. I mean, like Magnolia is a very deep, deep drama. It's a lot going on in that movie. Uh, but I don't think any of those performances were like, oh, he's like, oh, this is going to be like my right. Oscar-winning role. So the only I don't think he's get... it either. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want more from him, I guess. I know. No, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I wanted to take advantage though of the segue that you presented to us there to talk about Barbenheimer. And the wonderful uh, weekend that we are uh, suddenly approaching, because as of the, the most, the, the most yeah. unlikeliest of box office showdowns, <laughs> I know, right? But I almost feel like there's a camaraderie. I think like audiences are going to sabotage that because you definitely have like m- like male audience members that like want to see Barbie fail in favor of Oppenheimer, and like I understand yeah. where I don't like condone that. I want them both to do well, but I I get that that's a thing. But I I do feel like there's a lot of um whatever the opposite of animosity is for those movies. Like yeah. the, a lot of well, there seems to be like a lot of other one. Yeah. There seems to be like a lot of actor support. Like, yeah, uh, I just read yesterday, exactly. like Killian, Killian Murphy, uh, he was doing an interview, I think yesterday where he was like, I love Margot Robbie. I love Ryan Gosling. I, I'm, I'm going to see Barbie like that. He was the first person from that movie that has actually said something that I've heard of about Barbie. Nice. Uh, like publicly. Uh-huh. And then like, you know, and then Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig. showed that they, Yep. had tickets for Oppenheimer and uh you know I I wrote something for a guy at the movies.com that I've, I've been writing once a week for them just opinion like opinion pieces for them and I actually wrote that it's important that both of those movies do well I, I read that not piece. one needs one doesn't need to flop no, uh, exactly. in order for one to win be a bloodbath like competition yeah like. it's like room for all of them and honestly Barbie is like counter programming even though I think it is kind of I don't think it's just a female driven movie. Yes, it's going to be heavily female, but I think it's counter programming is the best it's, yeah. phrase you could use for that movie. I've never heard it described that way, yeah. but that is exactly what it is. It's uh I mean, I told you before we wrapped up the last episode we were doing like current box office tracking has it opening in 93 million dollars. That's insane. That's bigger than that's bigger than the Flash. Um, just as an FYI, that's bigger than that's bigger than Fast Ten. That would be bigger than Indiana Jones and the Dial yeah. of Destiny. Uh, that is just insane. Um, and then Oppenheimer like uh went up a little bit to forty three million for its opening weekend potentially. Okay. Um, I but then I you know, but... sorry what? Yeah, I mean, it's so the the two things there are one thing that's hard in the case of Oppenheimer is it's three hours long. Mm-hmm. it's r it's r-rated and it's like you know it's not like action driven it's you know very much yeah. uh real life historical i guess you call it epic at that point uh and that's it's, how it's being marketed certainly right so it's gonna definitely cater to an older audience i don't think the full story for that movie is its opening weekend though i think it's legs after like it's also how got long like a month-long imax Guaranteed, yeah, I think right, three, like, three. I think like three weeks, like three. Uh, so it gets it gets uh, right. two weeks, uh, two weeks exclusively because uh, he shot with IMAX cameras. But then they worked out a deal with Christopher Nolan to actually have three, which is why Tom Cruise is upset that mm. Mission Impossible only gets only gets one. Right. Uh, so it has it has that advantage. It has premium screens for three weeks. Um, the advantage of Barbie is it's shorter. It's 
technically more fun, uh, probably. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it appeals to younger people more than Oppenheimer would. Uh, uh, certainly hard to take that away uh, from it. Definitely skewing more female than uh, Oppenheimer. It does feel like um, a battle of the genders with these movies, doesn't it? Yeah, a, little, a little bit. But, yeah. man, I, I do think uh, a $93 million opening weekend is not all girls. That's not all women. No, no, there definitely is, not. No. <laughs> that is, I mean, there is definitely the, the male uh, demographic is also wanting to see it if they, even if they're going to hide it. It'd be like, oh, I didn't see that today. Uh, they are going to definitely. Like, come on. Like, there's but, no be shame. Open about it. It's fine. Go it see is, Barbie and, like, and, it, Shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I'm saying that because of like who's making it and the kind of movie this is. Like, if this had been like, it's hard to think of like a director that I would like not take seriously if they were doing this. But if this was like, yeah, the ultimate like tie into a new Barbie product and it was just trying to be like a stupid like comedy, like kid oriented comedy, like, like a, like a yeah. product of a movie, not like a meta commentary like you'd mentioned, then sure, yeah. like I would. I'm gonna avoid that like the plague, but I feel like this movie is going yeah. to be very intelligent. You know what I mean? It's gonna have a lot more substance. Yeah, it's gonna be much deeper than what it is. Yes. Well, from, what did you from the early reactions? Now, what? Uh, uh, you said a word earlier. Oh, as, I was like, oh, or, oh, as counter as counter programming, like the, counter programming. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, early reactions so far are very strong. From uh, there was a premiere. Now keep now Kate this with a grain of salt. If there was a premiere. That was intent. It was attended by mostly influencers, so there weren't a lot of critics that went and saw it. Okay. But I still think it's gonna get. I still think it's gonna get strong critical reviews. But like, it's I it was agree, mostly influencers that were invited I to this can't premiere. Take them seriously at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, I it was like saying. you could. I was like looking online to see if there was like legitimate people that saw it. And I was like, these are all like. I mean, cool. They got to go, but like, yeah, you know, they weren't like actual critics. But you know, the early reactions were very strong. Uh, says that it has a really good message. It's funny. Uh, has like I, uh, what I've been seeing is like a biting kind of sense of humor. Uh, Ryan Gosling apparently still steals the show. Like even I talking like that. Oscar buzz, yep. which is crazy. But you know, but I think about it. Ryan Gosling has always been strong in comedy, and he doesn't get a lot of credit for it. He, he does not. Like if you, Crazy Stupid Love is one of my favorite movies, and he's hilarious in that with uh, Steve Carell, Carell and uh. uh Emma Stone, like they're all really funny in it, and he's he's got like an offbeat. I think he under, he gets the joke in most of the stuff that he does, Have and I think he really nice got guys? the joke. He, yeah, he's great in that too. And yeah, and I think he got the joke here that. too. Okay. Like it seems like he got the joke. I think so. So, so I mean, I do want to hear more reviews from people who aren't just internet influencers. Uh, Agree, but it is it is a pot. It is nice to hear that. I mean, so far so good for for them, and 100%. yeah. I'm sure that can only help uh, the opening weekend box office as we approach this opening day. Yes. Um, but but there you have there's uh in, that was the Barbie news, but you have some Oppenheimer news to go along with. Uh, it's so funny because there's like competing they've been competing this whole time in, in news and in. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> First of all, um, did you see the the size and scale of the? Oh, the, the IMAX, the, the real, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, 600 yeah. pounds, 11, I don't know if it was miles yeah. or kilometers long, like yeah, yeah. absolutely insane. I, and now this is, I'm saying this, I have no idea what the average IMAX reel looks like, how long it is, how much it weighs, but like just seeing an image of it, I was like, that is like, yeah, fucking massive. Um, yeah, but yeah, Christopher Nolan announced, um, 
I, I think it would be last week by the time this episode is going to drop, but that there are there's not a singular CGI shot used in this movie, which, I mean, I know he's not a guy. It's no secret. He prefers, you know, he's not huge practical on CGI. Effects. Practical effects, exactly, where possible. But that's not to say that he can't use CGI in his movies, and he has many times before to supplement the experience. But I can't even fathom how he, he makes a movie like this and doesn't use CGI in it. That is, like... I commend him more than I ever yeah, could. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I'm wondering what it'll be like to sit in that theater when we get to the point where they have to like simulate that, you know, explosion. Right. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like you're going to feel it in the theater. You're going to have to. There's a meme of like, there was a scene in like, I don't know which Spider-Man, like one or two where like, and uh, Tobey Maguire's where, Aunt May is like what, sitting somewhere, like the screen explodes. Oh, and then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's watching Oppenheimer. Oh, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a hilarious yeah. side note here, uh, I have seen instances of people confusing the lack of CGI with um, believing that, that this meant that there was an actual nuclear bomb used for the movie. For the movie. Which is like. He can't, he can't, uh, he can't do a lot, guys. He can't he's do that. He's not. No. <laughs> Exactly. He's not gonna. He's not gonna risk the you know the world to That's make his movie. <laughs> hilarious, <laughs> um, so I find that very funny. Uh, but I mean, I mean, kudos to him. I love that uh, an old an older story about him is kind of resurfacing as this movie's opening because it is a legitimate complaint. But I mean, it's you know if you're familiar with his stuff, it keeps popping up on Twitter that you know directors have called Christopher Nolan in the past to complain about his sound mix. Because oh, like yeah. they're like, hey, because like, hey, like you know, dialogue seems really low. And then all of a sudden, it's like, brr. <laughs> everything's like really low. <laughs> a bit, yeah. A, oh yeah, that was a yeah. Ooh, I, I never watching really it complained about it before Tenet, but I remember watching Tenet in theaters, being like, oh, this will be good on rewatch with the disc with sub. sub yeah, disc. yeah. Uh, it. I I just remember because I was watching it at home and my brother was here, and I was like, I can't really fucking hear the dialogue, so I would turn it up and I have surround sound. Yeah. So like, and then Whoa. all of a sudden there'd just be like this like burst of sound. My brother's like, "What the hell are you watching?" <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean, of all the things to complain about, I mean, he's. I'm sure he's fixed that. Hopefully with. This. Yes. And oh, and and the people have been asking about the R rating. Apparently, the R rating for this movie is because of language and prolonged uh, nudity involving, I guess, some Both kind of, of love which scene between. We do not get in Nolan movies, so this is like completely Ever. out yeah. of left field. We, uh, he rarely uses, I mean, since uh, Memento, I don't think he's really dropped many F-bombs in any of his movies. Pretty right. Much his last R-rated movies. movie was Insomnia, and that was in 2002. So, wow. like, that was the last time he was even had an R-rated movie, and, and that movie wasn't like, no wasn't movie. really like a, yeah, and that movie wasn't really like a hard R. I mean, there wasn't a lot in that was that was like graphic or anything like that. Right. Um, but apparently the it there's uh might be a love scene between Killian Murphy and Florence Pugh's characters. I think that's where that is coming from. And they have the affair uh, uh, in real life, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I yeah. Guess he's drawing on that. Okay, it makes sense. But interesting yeah. to see because um yeah, he does not. I can't think of a single scene of nudity in a Nolan film. Yeah, I mean, I did anyway. love, I did love all the. Uh, uh, well, what does he do? Did somebody fuck the bomb in it? Is that why it's right there? That was a. Uh, but no, that is it's language and prolonged duty, guys. Okay. So I love that. Yeah, I mean, again, like that's fantastic. Yeah, me too. That's how I like and honestly, 
I support anyone going to see Barbie in that as a double feature. And that'll just be a long day. I can't go see it as a double I feature. I don't think I'll do it, but I, <laughs> I commend people that are 100%. Go see them both. Um, I have a screening, an advanced screening for Oppenheimer. I'm going to take advantage of it because a lot of a lot of my <laughs> friends, I mean, I got to take someone that wants to go. And I know a lot of my friends don't want to go see it. They're just I'll like, hop on a so flight, bro. I'll meet you out there. <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'll, I'll see it right now. Yeah, um, incredible. I, so I hope to really enjoy it, and then I'm you know sure you I feel will. like Barbie, Barbie would be a fun one to just see with like a regular audience. I think so. Like, I, think, that would I be think that'd be the best, fun. yeah, way to enjoy it for sure. Yeah, um, I'm expecting a lot of so Want to give a little shout out so far to Owen real quick because right now, uh, domestically at least, because remember we were asked in our own episode what is the, what will be the highest grossing film of the summer, and uh, domestically. He went with Across the Spider-Verse, and domestically it is right now. It just passed Guardians of the Galaxy domestically as the highest-grossing films of the summer so far, $358 million gross uh, domestically. Uh, Now, we still have Barbie coming out. We still have Oppenheimer coming out, and then we still have Mission Impossible. I don't see Mission Impossible clearing over 350 here, but I can see it worldwide getting to a billion uh, globally. Yeah. But I don't know. I but, I, but I don't think it. Mo- I don't know if most of it's coming from us. I mean, it will make a lot of money here. I just don't know if it sure. if it will clear th- like three fifty domestically. That's right. not to say that's not a hit, guys. If it does like three hundred, that's still good. Uh, yeah, so it's, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so so for now, um, Owen is kind of leading that a little bit. Nice. I can't because I don't know if uh, Barbie can. That's not going to clear three fifty uh, by the end of its run and. Neither is Oppenheimer. That's not going to happen either. Um, so maybe, uh, maybe I don't know. He might win that one. Well, I yeah, like globally. He, I think globally. I think it'll be Mission Impossible. That will. Uh, I think we agreed on that right the, when we chose on that, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm still thinking of that, that but it'll beat that. It will win the summer, right? I but yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. I want to. Th- I, Wanted to throw that in there. Oh, and I also wanted to uh, really quick while I have it up because I just saw it pop up. Um, someone mentioned uh, on Twitter, at least it's Critical Overlord, that they listened to uh, the It Follows Deep Vibe and it made them uh, rewatch It Follows again. Nice. Um, uh, but they also said, because we kind of talked about it briefly in the episode about the whole um, how horror movies treat sex and women and all that yep they were saying that that would be a good uh converse a deeper conversation that for us to have on the main show sometime too so thank you well i'll definitely yes take that into consideration like we we are really honestly planning a like horror movie takeover for september and october yes so i mean and, and that's and i imagine that it won't just be talking about specific films like i would like to talk about different aspects of the genre as well so if that is something uh, that is a uh bigger conversation then i will totally uh let's bookmark to it have that. because i would love yeah. to have that chat and i'm just as excited for you i know that horror is definitely your thing but um we never really had the chance to i mean we talked about individual movies but even then i don't think we've ever really singled out a, a single horror movie yet nothing that comes to mind but yeah. we both happen to really really care for that genre and i very much looking forward to the spooky season yeah it's my favorite time of i know it's gonna be good dude we were all about we were both about justice for skin rink sorry Merc. that's right yeah that's <laughs> who, right, Merc. Who, na- who named it as his most disappointing movie or his oh, worst movie of like the year man, so far it hurts uh, yeah all right you know, all right whatever i was saying about love for over here 
<laughs> my buddy so Cam, I, I gotta stop just saying my buddy cam because like i feel like anybody that listens on a weekly basis i i think they know him now <laughs> every single week cam yeah. sent me something uh because like he's like my other than like you we obviously share big stuff but like we, we have a group with a couple other buddies like thomas and brian and we share like stuff every, on a daily basis just stuff that comes up from the various accounts we follow and uh but yeah. he sent me just individually because we watched skin and ring together um and he sent me something. I think it was just like an account like that just was giving some love to some of the shots and the stills in the movie. And he sent that to me. And I got thinking, like, I think I want to just put a bunch of time in between that watch so I can kind of like replicate that first experience because I really want to rewatch yeah. it this year. But I feel like there'd be it might take away if I'm like expecting, the, you know, I just kind of erase it from my memory and rewatch it for the yeah. first time again. Do, so do you think if if, it, if you did like October, it'd be too soon? Sort of like, yeah. Or would that be like definitely what? now? I could rewatch like Ferris Bueller later this year and like definitely enjoy it. But like Skin and Rink is pretty right. much bare bones. There's not a lot as anybody that's yeah, going on knows. So I yeah. feel like the things that happen in the movie, I'll be very much exposed to and like just be too top of mind. So yeah. I unfortunately think I need to let a few more years go by, but I'm like already so much looking forward to that rewatch. That movie scared the shit out of me. I, I mean, it's, it got to me and I'm, I, and I think, I won't even say that we're in the minority. I think it's like kind of evenly split. I think I've seen like yep. some people praise it and love it, and then other people uh, that just were like, "I don't know what the fuck you watch, bro," but it wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, and that's fair. But I it's mean, that not conventionally but, good. It's good for other reasons. You know what I mean? It's yeah, very much yeah. experimental. We've been over this conversation, but you, I agree. If you're yeah, if you're in film school and somebody like screened that as their short film, you'd be like, "This is brilliant." <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Like, like, wow. Like, Why didn't I think yeah, of this? Exactly. So, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, doing good. This is not trying to be the same thing. Yeah. Well. You got to understand. You know, teach their own. I respect it, but, you know, I, yeah. I liked it. I it, it got under my skin, and that's all that it needed to do. So, absolutely. Yeah. I can't can't wait for spooky season on the pod. It's going to be fun. Let's bookmark that like, conversation because it the follows. Fact, I'm already like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, it's going to be so cool. September and uh, it's not that October. far away, man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, really isn't that's true. Um, halfway through, I July guess so. Right, we get, so yeah. that's I know the year's going by like that. Before you know it, it'll be your year anniversary on here. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, uh, crazy. Um, but, sorry, oh yeah, yeah. So we got some news, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, not a lot of news. Uh, to no, uh, really, but hence some all the interesting stuff. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The first few minutes of this was just us killing time because we didn't have a lot of news to cover. Um, but but uh, what do you want to lead with? Um, well, we did get, maybe just because this could be kind of quick, we do have a couple, um, we got some glimpses of some stuff this week. I think for excitingly, even for me, who's like by no means the superhero aficionado. I'm very excited from what we saw uh, the first look at Deadpool three with um, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and the classic uh, skin. classic costume. Man, that looks yeah, awesome. uh, I'm very excited. I love that he's being included in that. Yeah, it looks good. And you know it's funny? Back when those first, you know, that first X Men movie came out and they actually had them in the black like leather stuff. You know, the big complaint. I mean, the big thing was like, well, I mean. The comic book costumes they won't look good on film so we have to like make, do this right right and i guess like with time like it's just like no it doesn't look bad it looks fine they, they could have gone with the original i mean i get why they went with the black look for like the movies in the early 2000s because yeah it might look silly on then but i think now i think you got a taste of what the x-men costumes too could look like when they did first class and they kind of did like the yellow and uh kind of almost original 
yes. yellow and blue costumes from like the early comic books. So it was like possible to yeah. do. Yeah, it was like it's possible to do it. I I love the look that way. It actually looks. Everyone's been posting like side by side images of like the uh, image from like the comic books and that, and yes. everyone's like finally <laughs> a lot of that going on. Um, looks cool though. I looks cool. Full on. I gotta say, I'm a little bit. Uh, hesitant or skeptical, I don't know what the right word in this case would be, of of how they're going to like address the costume he's wearing. Because obviously Deadpool is as meta as they come. I feel like right. he's obviously going to have some line where he's addressing Logan's new yeah. look or something. And I'm just, I hope they don't like, I hope they just treat it with respect and kind of make it organic. Although I'm not, I don't know if I should kind of give that credit to Deadpool. Like I feel like they're yeah. going to, it might be a look of like, oh, hey, Let's give the fans what they want. Why don't you throw this on? And then in the co- in the closet is like the classic uniform. I just hope they make oh, it fun. like they, they're slick with it, but who knows? Well, this looks, and this is kind of speculation, but yeah. I think this is where they're going. This looks like they're doing, because we are still in the multiverse phase of Marvel right now. Ah. And it looks like Deadpool, it looks like Deadpool 3 is a multiverse story. And I only oh, say this because this. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Garner uh, oh, is right. coming back as a it's coming back as Electra. Of course, uh, she she played Electra in 2003's Daredevil, which was you know when Fox owned that Marvel property, right? So a lot of people think that like this got to be like a multiverse kind of killing off like the Marvel properties, like very meta Deadpool three yeah, kind of yeah. angle going yeah. for it, which could be interesting because like that be. leaves the door open. That leaves the door open to bring back some Fantastic Four people like Jessica Alba. That'd be really funny to have Chris Evans as a human torch, even though he's Captain America uh, in the MCU. Uh, that that leaves room really for like cool. some of the some of the original X Men, like you know Halle Berry, Famke Jensen, James Marsden, yep. possibly. Um, I don't know how big her role is going to be. I don't know if this is just a cameo or if it's just uh, a, a larger part. Um, Sean Levy's directing this one. She's worked with him with Ryan Reynolds actually on the Adam Project. Uh, came on at Netflix like a year or two ago, I think. I recall. So she's yes. kind of re- reuniting with them. Um, here's what I will say, and I know I actually Mark gave me a little crap for this because he actually likes 2003's Daredevil. Oh, she's yeah. the one. She's the one good thing about it that okay. I can like the one pos- the one positive I can name because like she she this is when Jennifer Garner was uh, what Garner was on Alias, and she was like in a kick-ass role like she was like known for those kind of roles back then now she just plays moms a lot now lately <laughs> she's kind of got she's kind of falling into that rut well i guarantee you she probably played a mom <laughs> and, it, yeah. and uh, uh but back then though in 2003 like you know she was known for kind of like these kind of kick-ass roles and she's not the definitive electro by any means but she's holds her own in it and i think she kind of she doesn't really have a ton to work with. It's like the character's not fully fleshed out, but she did a lot with what little she was given. Okay. And and in the reviews that even didn't like the movie, they singled her out as a good thing, which okay. kind of sucks because they were like, oh, well, she was good. Let's give her her own movie. And that sucks. Now that means yeah, we didn't need, <laughs> we didn't need right. to have her have her own film. It was like, yo, you were good in like a supporting capacity. That was great. But yeah. the Electra, Electra is like Catwoman bad. So it's oh, it's not good. It's oh, not good. It's not good. Oh. That's bad um, company to be in, dude. Yeah. Um, but um the, the response to the news though is like really positive though. Like, I mean, a lot of people that don't even love the 2003 Daredevil liked her in it. And like, again, I don't know if this is just a cameo or a bigger part. There was a bigger discussion about this. I was like, hey, remember when it was cool to like you go see the movie and you were surprised that that person was in it? Like, why did they have yeah. to like kind of drop Fucking all this kind of point, news? Man, great point. And 
and I actually agree with that. It's like we live. Like we live in a world now where it's like you have to pump that out to get people excited, but I don't even maybe you don't. I mean, sometimes we've watched marketing campaigns where they hide everything and that kind of works in their favor to like True. be secretive about what they're doing. Something tells um, me if it's yeah, that would be a great opportunity to hide her involvement for maybe a, a cameo slash minor role, but something tells me if they're this early in this early in it and they're announcing her, maybe she does have a significant role. That's just a part. I mean, they tried the they tried to hide the Tobey Maguire Andrew Garfield thing in Spider Man No Way Home for as long as they could, and I yes. respected that, even though we all knew they were lying. Like when Andrew yeah. Garfield was like, "I'm not still went in expecting this." Yeah, right. But like, yeah, I do, I do understand that though. Like, it would have been nice to have been surprised to see her pop up. I haven't it. even really considered that. You're totally right. We do not get that treatment anymore, and I, I can, I like I just said, I definitely blame it on just social media, and like you can't hide anything. And everything is news now because of that medium um and you're right it is used to get people in seats but yeah how cool would that have been to just not expect to see her at all and then boom all of a sudden there's there she is she is that would be cool um i gotta say though just personally yeah i had not had the time to reflect on what i thought the implications for this movie would be with her involvement but you're totally right uh and like the speculation that it's going to be a multiverse movie oh I think if there's a way to see that, I think Deadpool is a way to do it, but I'm already and yeah. I'm not alone. Are you tired of you're tired of the multiverse? <laughs> I was tired of it after the second time. And uh yeah. I mean, no, no, uh, no way home, I think like utilize the best that well. it's been done yeah. so far. But I think it's a tired trope already and one that Marvel's relying on far too much. But I do think there's a lot of cool things they could do with Deadpool if they, you know, make fun yeah. of it in the right way. But that does yeah, I'm a little bit hesitant. But I think this is one I do go to see. Yeah, someone was saying that, like on Twitter, that they think multiverse storylines for movies is a bit too confusing for casual moviegoers who don't know like a lot of that stuff. So it's like, why do we have multiple like Batman, or why do we have multiple like this and that? You know, multiple like Spider Man, and like you know, yeah, it's just confusing for someone that doesn't know what it is. And uh, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that to we're saying the audience isn't smart enough to get it, but like, no, if you aren't aware some, of those kind of like, yeah. those, if you're not aware of those comic book storylines, you're going to be like, you know, why am I, oh wait, I, like, especially with DC, like, we know there's going to be like, different, there's going to be Matt Reeves's Batman universe, and there's going to be the stuff that they're doing for the DCU, which is like, separate. It so is like, confusing. <laughs> it's confusing to the casual moviegoer, so I, you know, there that's the risk you run with the multiverse storylines, I think. Certainly. But that's just me. That's just me. And it just opens um, up a lot of plot holes and it's hard to wrap up a story like that. And you kind of run into the same tropes, but oh yeah. well. It is a cool opportunity to bring people in that wouldn't otherwise necessarily work in the story. So I can commend it for that. But I mean, we have seen it yeah. a lot since I don't know in the last three, four years. But anyway, um yeah, we did get two awesome trailers. Uh well, I mean, one uh, I mean, depending on what you think, we did get a couple of trailers, <laughs> a couple of significant trailers this week. Like, let me dial it back. Yeah, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. That's right. Um, but we did get uh, a first look at the nun two, which I mean, to be honest, I'm sure I saw news when this movie started filming, but like did not expect that we'd see footage of this movie. I kind of forgot it was even in development. But what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks it's, it looks pretty decent. I mean, like, I don't think the first one is like the best horror movie ever. I mean, but it was it was Agreed. entertaining in the moment. I enjoyed it. Yep. And uh and there's some stuff in the trailer that I thought was creepy. There's like a scene towards the end of the trailer where it looks like she's like backing up against like uh it looks like 
a wall of like, I don't know if it's like magazines or just clippings and you can kind of yes. almost see the outline of, yeah. And then like, it comes out and like grabs her. Like I thought that was a pretty cool way to end the trailer. Um, it kind of, it kind of gave off like typical of that, of this type of horror film, like a typical horror movie trailer vibe, but like, yep. I don't know how else, how else to really sell it. Um, <laughs> apparently, and apparently there's an audience for this, right? I mean, like I told you before, like I was surprised that that first movie opened the 50 million plus when the first one came out. And, and it came out mm. in September, which, like, you know, that in September is like the new, like, you know, let's that used to be like a dumpy month, like January, but now it's like that opened during that time. You know, the two it movies opened in September. Yes, when they September's came out. a fantastic uh, month for horror. It. Release it, or, in yeah, fall. yeah. So it works. I, I guess I didn't realize, I guess we had so many examples of like not just the Conjuring movies, but all the Conjuring universe movies have done well, like yep. from Annabelle to like, so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that like the nun broke out despite yeah, you know, not not great not great reviews but it was still managed to um and i think it made over 300 something million dollars worldwide so that's i mean this is what this okay. is why you're this is why you're getting a second this one this is so. destined to happen i'm sure we'll get a trilogy <laughs> yeah. um that being said like i i also thought the trailer was i mean yeah it's very conventional you see the scares i think coming from a mile away but like there's so i think the character of like the nun like the demon valak is like scary yeah. enough and like present enough in like the conjuring universe that it's like there's still some legs with that character but i do think we've seen a lot of it now like i'm wondering like how much more we're gonna get after this one or if they decide to wrap it yeah. up but i'm with you like i enjoyed the first one it's definitely way too reliant on jump scares and it's by no means a fantastic horror movie but i think for like where yeah. it fits in the conjuring verse i'm happy with it and i like the the nun characters scary as hell but after this, yeah, I'm assuming good. it was because of this uh, trailer for the second one. I was like on TikTok the other day and like just saw like a, a couple minute clip of <laughs> the scene of Valak in the Warren's house in The Conjuring Two, yeah. and the daughter like points uh, yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, like, oh, oh my god, it's like she's she got the chills right now. <laughs> so, oh. so then I got oh, like, okay, this is a scary character. Like I, I think I'm on board for this one, but. Well, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll see. I missed the last few Conjuring movies in theaters, but um, I might go back for this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I almost see any horror film, even if it gets bad reviews. So I, <laughs> Fair I support, I support it no matter what. It's a, a genre that you know I think needs support and definitely. I feel, I feel like no matter what people come out for them, because you know, like we hope for the best. Yes. Know, at the end of the day, uh, I thought that there's an audience for this, man. I mean, it's clearly the. I never saw the Conjuring universe coming. I mean, no. I thought we were just gonna get. I thought we were just gonna get those Conjuring movies, and they were they, they would make their money, and then like yeah. you know, Annabelle was way out. too popular of a side character but, to not get around. Yeah. Though. and but that's why taking all these like. Yeah, yeah, it's I, and that's like uh, so it's happening with Insidious, like Mandy Moore, and uh, I think uh, oh god, I forget the other guy's name, but there it's gonna be it's in a, kind of an Insidious inspired story. It's not gonna be based on uh oh, the main man franchise but it's basically something like an insidious story where it's like similar and okay. you know it's approach so I that's even building it. that's even building its own universe too mm -hmm. which uh conveniently you know they both they all have a lot all of them have the same minds behind them yeah that's right <laughs> some James Wan, Lee uh, well yeah. yeah so I mean, I mean, I love, I mean, if you could I love seeing horror movies when they're successful, even I mean, yes. even not great ones, because like it's just like you know, it people have an app like appetite for them, mm -hmm. and even if critics are like, I didn't really think that was scary. A lot of times, the general audience is like, it was fine for me. 
<laughs> you know, so yes. like, yeah, you know, there are certain horror movies I think are made to be good, and there are certain horror movies I made that are just to be like a good time and like you know, you're scary in right. the moment. Like you're like, oh, like whatever, it was entertaining, and then it's not meant to stimulate the mind. So that's right. Um, <laughs> I did want to end enemy. with praising the nun too for um, it's like. I don't know if a genius is the right word, but I thought I had a fantastic tie into the original conjuring that I did not see coming. And I get, it's a little bit edited differently to kind of work in the context yeah. of the first nun. But when they tie in that French character, um, in, who's, oh, yeah. he's kind of featured in a throwaway anecdote from Patrick Wilson's character in the first movie. Oh, I thought that was so yeah. genius. I love that. That made that movie for me. I was like, that was awesome. I'm glad they included that. Yeah. But hopefully there's still, they can do it. Do a little bit, and we have Tasa from Liga reprising her yeah. role too. Like I'm glad to S see her in sister, there. Sister, sister Irene. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, and uh, Michael uh, Chavez, who directed it, says that by the end of the Nun, we will see uh, the Nun too. We will see some connective tissues to the greater Conjuring universe. So, oh, fantastic. There will be uh, so yeah. So they, they're not just gonna, you know. They will, they will, it plants the seeds for stuff moving forward, I guess. So and there's always he, that. He also directed that this is the only Conjuring verse movie I think I haven't seen was uh, The Curse of La Llorona. Is he the director from that as well? Yeah, he did The Curse of La Llorona and The Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It. He did that right. last one yes. too. Yeah. Yes. Forgot he yeah. done that one as well. So they, they clearly like him. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, that comes out on September 8th, which will be here before you know it, guys. Certainly. Ugh, crazy. With that one out of the way, yeah. we got <laughs> another fantastic story. I'd say the fantastic trailer. The guy, yeah. I'd love this. Anyway, this came out today as of recording, but you got a chance to see um, Ridley Scott. Jackson just like popped out of his seat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited for this movie. For those that remember when we were talking about our most anticipated movies of the year, had this one on my list. Uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon. We got our first look at with the trailer released on Monday the 10th. And my God. Does it look even better than I could have imagined? Yeah, it looks think? really good. Yeah. I think it looks really What I was most impressed by, because uh, we always talk about Ridley Scott and his age and him still cranking out movies. Not just that he's cranking out movies, but like just based on the trailer, it's the scope that yeah. he's doing them in. And in a very quick turnaround time, they're not like languishing in like, you know, development hell or something Like he gets these done like fairly quickly. It's a great and point. this looks this looks like it has a pretty big massive scope to it i did see some people online that were uh concerned about the lack of uh, french accents in the trailer <laughs> yeah i remember and this, actually, this is like the, the inner historian in me because this is what i studied at school like and i like i'm just particularly excited for this movie because of like having learned about napoleon and university like he's a fascinating character and one i feel like i can't believe we haven't had like a definitive portrayal of him yet at least not that i can think of it did kind yeah. of bother me and I, this is a critique i've i've lent to many movies especially historical epics when they kind of yeah. don't go for it but it's also we've seen this work in other mediums that like for instance like chernobyl comes to mind like where all the actors it's a russian story yet yeah. all the actors are speaking in their native accents and that movie yeah. i think it's better off because of that so i think maybe the juice wasn't worth the squeeze in this probably for this example anyway um yeah no i get what people are saying but Oh well. Now, do, I, do you think it's a case of people being nitpicky, or is that like a legitimate like criticism? Hmm. You know what? Like, I guess I'll stick to my principles here. Like, I do for the most part. Although I just admitted there's examples where it works. I do think if you're gonna tell a story like this, like you should, you know, honor the time and the place from and the nation from which it came from. Like, I would ideally yeah. like to have seen this done with 
a French cast in the French language. Um, like that's, I think that what would best serve the story, but um, also it's going to make it more accessible. People wouldn't go watch a lot. Of people wouldn't go watch this if it was a French film. And it's a story that I think is going to be like worth being told. And it's going to be a massive movie and good right. for the industry. So, you know what? I, I, it, I guess I'll play devil's advocate here, but yeah. kind fair. of a complicated. Yeah, answer, I mean, but yeah. Uh, you know, that was the only criticism I saw. Like for the most part online, it seems like everyone was, uh, impressed by the trailer mm. and uh and already they started mentioning like it looks like based on that trailer that it could be an oscar contender it's definitely coming out around a time mm, where it yeah. could be uh november 22nd uh also getting a theatrical lease but this is also a apple tv plus film and i think Kudos it's in, a, in the same in the same vein of K killers of a flower moon it's great that you're announcing the theatrical release date and not announcing when it's going to drop on your streaming platform so people just don't wait for it to watch it at home. I commend uh, you so much for doing that. Like, I never yeah, would have thought I'd be saying very, that, but... Very, very smart. Um, I, yeah, I, don't, I think everyone should follow that lead if they're going to have these kind of, like, hybrid sort of releases a little bit. Um, because you're, you're, you don't want to bite yourself in the foot by, like, killing your box office, potentially, by letting that date drop that's right you know a lot of people a lot of people wait and <laughs> watch it at home yeah um joaquin phoenix looks like he's gonna be amazing in it i mean i mean he's not never not amazing so that's I mean, right no surprise that's no great surprise he's got this and bo was afraid out in the same year both massive projects of which he's the lead yeah like, great year for him and like, he's still hot off an oscar win i mean it's been four years now since joker but it's like he hasn't crazy been it's been that long i know <laughs> he yeah, also yeah, hasn't been crazy. much he's been probably filming these last couple of movies since then but um, yeah he, the guy's on a hot streak right now even though it is crazy to think it's in four years definitely uh his his filmography is a impressive one too like he would be a good revisit or some of the stuff that he like stands out in yes like i've been more like i immaculate. i haven't watched her in a long time and i remember loving that movie and i haven't watched it in so long uh, and he was really great in that um of course we talked about it was funny we mentioned gladiator on the last episode mm. that we did and he's amazing in that movie too. a lot of comparison shots uh, to the shots from this trailer and him and yeah, yeah. gladiator yeah. it looks it's pretty cool to see yeah i mean fantastic actor it looks like he's gonna be fantastic in this um you'll be there on opening night I'm sure, I, I will be. I assume. Um, and again, kudos to Ridley Scott, man. I mean, guys, still not cranking them out. Down. With yeah, him. he did. No, 2021, he did. The, uh, oh, was the last, last duel, duel right? and and, uh, and Sagushi, which are yeah. both Matt. And like, I don't think either movie suffered because of his, you know, attention to both movies. They were both epics, right? Like, definitely not received like as good as they could have been. I think they're better than the scores and the attention they got to the box office. But then he went right from those yeah. to this, like the guy is like 91 or 90 and is not slowing down. Somewhere in there. Somewhere yeah. I there. mean, the last little flat out flopped. Uh, it shouldn't have. It yeah, was, that's it right. It did. Flop. I thought it was yeah. a good, I thought, I thought it was a good movie. How Gucci made some money. Yep. Um, but I think, uh, and I, I think that was a lot of that had to do with it being a sensational true life story. You had Lady Gaga in the lead, and she's yeah. a big, she's a big, big international name. star in general. It also was a good movie. I really, other than Jared Leto, I liked everything about uh, House of Gucci. Right. <laughs> I was, I'd be interested to see how I, how my like uh, impression of uh, Jared Leto, Jared Leto. Uh, oh, watching. No. <laughs> I liked him in it, but I've 
but I'm also like, I understand why people don't. It was very out there and wacky, but I feel like he just cracked me up in that movie. But he know, sounded like sick of it. A Super Mario. He sounded like a yeah. Super Mario brother. That's all I think when I was watching it. I was he like, did. oh, he's the butt of the joke. Like, what, movie, movie for sure. what movie are you in? <laughs> You're in a totally different movie than everyone else. Um, That's right. But yeah, I mean, I, I that was a good year though for him, even though The Last Duel didn't make money. I thought that was a really solid year I for think time would be kinder to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll see. I mean, this gets good reviews. This is this is the kind of movie that uh, the Academy really likes. So if it, if the reviews are yes. there for Napoleon, I can see it. Uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix has a better chance Oscar wise with this than Bo is Afraid only because I don't of think the, it's a chance for Bo is Afraid. Yeah, um, only no. because of the polarizing response to Bo yeah. is Afraid. He's great from in most it. People. Don't get me wrong. But. I actually finally have it at home and I really need to watch it. Um, I haven't watched it yet. They really need to. I know it's a long one, so I really need to put the time in. Um, but you're, you'll, you'll be the first person I message after I watch awesome. it. Awesome. Yes, I'm glad <laughs> for that. Oh, man. Oh, what a, what a ride. <laughs> I can't wait to see. I honestly won't be surprised if you lean one way or another because it's just that kind of movie. But it is yeah. very – you can at least respect the risks that both the studio and Ari Aster took for that movie. And regardless of what you think of the movie, Joaquin is undeniably – a tour de yeah. force in that movie with this yeah, definitely. Very excited for you to see that again. Yeah. Never see that before. Uh, I definitely will be checking it out. Um, I guess it's, it's a good time to uh, update you guys on the screen actor skills strike. Yes. Uh, we, I think the last episode we said they extended talks uh, up until this coming Wednesday, which should be, I guess, 12th. Um, there, there has been no budging so far uh, in said talks. Um, so by the time you hear this episode, there will either be another extension or we'll be in the middle of a full-on uh, Screen Actors Guild strike. There isn't really much to add other than that. And then, like, just to give you right. kind of an overview of what that means for actors, uh, if there is a strike, actors will not be able to film any movie and TV productions. They will not be able to take part in any press junkets or film premieres, and they won't be able to promote anything at San Diego Comic-Con and will be advised not to attend at all. Uh, that's like the bare bones of, but really big stuff right now that they won't be able to do if they do strike. It's not looking good. I haven't heard any talks of them extending it or even last minute coming to the table with a new deal. Um, but that's just a quick update on that since we've been talking about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's where really, we're at. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate. It's dismal projections for the future. I'm all I can, all we can really pray for is we don't get hit with that double whammy of the writers and actors strike, but it's not looking good. Yeah. Like you mentioned, and um, it might not seem like a big deal right now, but you know, months down the line next year, we'll definitely yeah. be seeing the, the impact. Of You'll strikes. definitely feel it. I mean, you're going to, I mean, we're going to get through a whole summer, fall, late December, like through the end of the year with film releases. That'll be fine. Uh, but once you're talking about stuff that should have started filming now, or maybe it just starts filming in early 20, like, you know, and maybe they need, there needs to be like script rewrites or any of that kind of stuff. That's not happening right now. It's immediately going to affect TV. I mean, the fall TV season is not going to start when it's supposed to start. Right. And that's due to, that's due mostly to the writer's strike. But that, but if there's also a screen actor skill strike, then that's never going to happen. Um, hey, but you know what? 
start watching soap operas because they can still do their thing. So <laughs> maybe right. so, so like there's gonna be a sweet soap opera revival if you guys want to watch something. I wonder if like live <laughs> sports will like see an increase in numbers. Like for instance, like for me, like if I'm I'll have some shows I'll be looking forward to that won't be screening and like we'll open up some time to maybe watch some hockey games or something. I'm wondering if we'll see an increase. Or where maybe that be putting their free. You know what to. happened last time though? What happened? In 2000, 2000, 2008, because reality TV was kept came in oh, big. Yes. That's when we got that's when we got keeping up with the Kardashians, and that's also when we got The Apprentice. And those are oh. big reality shows, of course, uh, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and the, the Kardashians are still reality TV it up on Hulu, so yep. That that is the result of the writer strike because the networks are like, oh, hey, we got to put something on. Is that when Jersey is- Shore, Jersey Shore started as well? It was like around. I think, that time? I, think I think around that time too. Yeah. Uh, or maybe a little after, but like but it's. God you know, bless that show because I know it's trash. It, that, but... that, was, that was that was highly entertaining. There, yes, it I, was. No, no shame in enjoying that. I went that. through that again <laughs> during the pandemic, and I'm grateful for that because it was yeah. good entertainment yeah. while I was cooped up. Um, yeah. This is a great segue into some secret news. By secret, I mean we didn't discuss it beforehand, and I don't even know if you've heard about this yet, but I wanted to pitch it at you. Honestly, you might just have some insight onto this because I I only read a headline. I don't even really know what's going on. I can assume it's related to the to the strike, but I just saw it today, meaning Monday as of filming, that um, The Boys Season 4 is now suspended indefinitely, whatever that means. Have you seen this? Oh, I did not see that, and oh, that is sad. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, it fucking sucks. Oh, I love that show. Oh, man. I'm so oh. sad. I don't know why. I don't know for how long. I don't know if it's because I would have thought that show was done filming by now. I, I would have thought so too. Um, so this is the first you're hearing of this then. That yeah. is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, Sorry to burst your that bubble. Is, that, is, that is unfortunate. If that, what was the I last mean, you heard about? This. Yeah. What was the last? That would have to be the strike thing. You think so? Anyway, I don't even know I where. They were yeah. I mean, I, I thought they might have been done or close to done. Um, God, that last season was so good too. Man, uh, every <laughs> season—that's a every season has has gone up for me. I've really yeah. enjoyed that show since the beginning. Again, well, when season three started, because I had to interview like four of the people from the show. Oh, and they, what? They, yeah, and Who they, did you uh, it was Ch- uh, Chase Crawford, uh, uh, and then uh, Carl Urban. Is that his name? The, yeah, the, yeah, him. Butcher. And, 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 yeah, and then the creator of the show. And then I'm forgetting the girl's name, but I interviewed her with Chase Crawford. It, it's not, it's not the blonde. Not not the main, she, no, I wish it was. It wasn't her. She was like, uh, uh, why am I blanking on her name? She was exploding me, people. Like shit. Uh, oh, explode. Oh, uh, 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 oh God. I am like, I see Mama. her face. And I'm, I'm kind of blanking I'm totally blank. Oh, 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 yes. Um, the girl plays Victoria totally. Newman. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, we go. That, oh, I, think I can't remember yeah. her name. Well, she's, I think she's an Iranian or like, yeah, yeah, yes, so, she is. She is. Um, yeah, she's, they're awesome. all yeah, very, she, very fun and very pleasant. They were awesome. No doubt. Um, that is super. Wait, who's this? Is Chase Crawford the deep? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that's the, awesome. Wow. Man, gross, that's grossest, awesome. grossest character. On- <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I so love, like, I know that he, like, he starts on that show very much like being despicable, but I feel like the show yeah. does a good job at making him, like, kind of human yeah yeah a like bit. He, i wouldn't i'd hesitate to say he's redeemed himself since then but he's definitely not as despicable as he was in the beginning and he's now the butt of all the jokes but man yeah cracks me up 
That is super cool. You interviewed Carl Urban. I did not know that either, man. You're always pulling up. Yeah, these, he is pretty cool. He's stars that you've interviewed. Like, what the fuck? Um, I wanted to clarify because I I did um pull it up. Yep. Um, this I says the boys season. It's in post production, but it says it's still being delayed by the writer's strike. What? Uh, it says uh, the premiere of the boys season four has been delayed indefinitely due to the writers guild association strike. Uh, that the WGA protest is halting protections across film and TV industry as the writers union negotiates for better pay and all that stuff. Uh, the it. delay, this delay, they said this delay is unusual because the boys season four wrapped some time ago okay. is currently in post-production as creator Eric Kripke explained on Twitter, a good bit of writing goes on in post. That's why huh. even though cameras have long since stopped rolling, not only are actors brought in to dub lines and ADR, uh, uh, he explained, right. but there is also essentially rewriting that goes on in editing based on how lines are cut together. Uh, that level of post-production reworking might not be familiar to some, but Kripke says there's enough of it going on in the boys season four to mean production would have to cross a picket line to move forward. And he said that's not going to happen because they support what the writers are. Uh, uh, that's oh. it. End the strike. I can't tolerate yeah. the strike all the line. <laughs> Give them their uh, money. Give them their money. I also <laughs> want to say I, I remembered his name, the show creator, before you mentioned it. I'm just putting it out yeah. there. Eric, Eric Kripke's a genius behind that show, and uh, he deserves all the credit because that show is fucking Yeah, awesome. behind, behind Supernatural. Yeah, that's Back right. Day. Yes, thank yep. you. Thanks to that, we got Jensen Ackles in last season, yeah. which was he was awesome. Yeah, I um, I I don't I don't like that <laughs> at all because nope. um, nor do I. Uh, uh, that is one of my favorite shows currently on TV across yeah. any platform, platform. It's so well done. I just love how it pokes fun at uh, just the whole superhero genre in general. And, and, and it does so it. It's so smart. It's really, so smart. Yes. And like, yeah, I've you know how many times I've like pitched this show to people, and as soon as I say, as soon as you get the word, like for at least people that are like over superheroes or don't buy into it in the first place once you say it's a superhero like they kind of tune out you gotta be like no it's it it is the antithesis of superhero yeah it's the anti yeah exactly it it picks on them in the best way and while also still being a good superhero story it does also some really good despite the fact it's completely irreverent and like kind of dark and occasionally silly there are some really deep really good character arcs on it too like it's like not just like it's not just like a fun like entertaining show there's like these characters are multifaceted and layered and like that's what amazes me the most about the writing for it is that there's so much more going on than uh what you think you're getting and that's why i think it's so well done that's a great way of putting it um i also think anthony Starr's performances as homelander will go down as one of the best villains of like any tv show ever i yep. strongly he, support that now three seasons into the show he's yep he's great to be reckoned with yeah and that you know that show has actually crossed over and gotten like emmy attention like that i mean that's how good like the show is it's not just like got an animated yeah yeah uh they're doing like uh oh. a, another spinoff a live yes. action one with like i guess a younger generation of people oh, on it, it like called? yeah uh so that should be that should be fun if it's in the same vein as the boys. Yes. Oh, um, I'm sure it will be. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I I am devastated by that news. So <laughs> you, you yeah, warned me. <laughs> that sucks. I was you very me sad to see that. This is another thing that Cam had sent today. He saw it before me, and I was like, no. I was at work. I had my phone <laughs> propped up, and I you know have that chat like the notifications yeah. come through, and I saw that. I was like, no. no, no. Well, well, thanks, Cam, for the bad news. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, sorry for the. 
looking here. That's all good. That was the last thing I had I had slated. I th- I think that's uh up until uh, box, office. box office. Yeah, box office. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, what? I'm happy to be wrong about this one. Um. Right. We got insidious. We got insidious wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, Me more so. Uh, uh, what did I say? Did I say you like said 20, 25? 25. I went 20. And, and I thought 25 was a good middle ground. Um, but dude, uh, once the Thursday preview number came out, it was like 5.2 million on Thursday on Thursday night. I was like, oh, that's gonna that's it's gonna be really it's either gonna be really front loaded and everyone rushed out, or it's gonna <laughs> like or it's gonna over uh kind of over uh extend and it did it. Ended up making fifteen million dollars on its opening day, and then was able to was able to carry that to a now it was thirty two point oh, seven. It was thirty two point seven million. The actuals just came out actually bumped up a little bit to thirty three million dollars uh, this weekend. Oh. Um, it is the second biggest opening of the Insidious franchise behind Chapter Two, which did forty point two million dollars. Uh, this this movie this movie called cost sixteen million dollars to make. So everyone make more horror movies because they're cheap. And stop yeah. making a very expensive movies for three hundred million dollars, because right. homie, in sec- homie in second place. Even though the drop wasn't as bad as they thought it would be for Indiana Jones, it still dropped, you know, fifty six percent to twenty seven point four million dollars, and that's not great uh, for a three hundred million dollar movie. It's gonna okay. lose. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna lose Disney some money. Um, but also of note, Insidious opened to thirty one point four million overseas. This is the mm. biggest overseas opening for a horror film since 2019 and i know uh, yeah and that's crazy to me like uh it, yeah. it, it had a bigger it, it had a bigger opening foreign opening than evil dead uh scream six uh the last halloween movie halloween ends uh these are arguably titles that are bigger wow uh, yeah but, that's weird but, to think about but um are you surprised by how much life is in it? I mean, this is the last one, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah, heard that song and dance before. I <laughs> this is the final one. Even a whole other there, weekend to go through. I heard, like. I heard the post credit. There's a post credit scene that hints at a, se- a potential sequel. Um, <sighs> I was saying this last yeah. week. Like, how many more of these we need? I'm glad it's doing good for the franchise. Don't get me wrong, but like, I can see yeah. this just being run into the ground, like many right. poor franchises are. Um, I'll save my comments for for later development. Uh, was um, if I were to guess what the last biggest opening for I don't know if you have it in front of you, but like Invisible Man comes to mind. That would be it. Yeah. That was it. Oh, nice. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that movie was yeah. uh, and Lee Winnell behind that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For him, yeah, that, guy that was good. Horror, yeah. He he's doing it right. Really he's good. Leading it. Yeah, really good. Yeah, um, that movie was great. I um. I'm not. I'm pleasantly surprised by how well it did. I mean, it's. I didn't expect a thirty-three million dollar opening weekend at all. Clearly, I um, mean, that almost doubles my prediction. <laughs> yeah, but kudos to again. Um, oh god! And I saw more of these like articles popping up. They're like, oh, horror wins again. Like it's a surprise. Um, I don't know how many. I don't know how many examples of horror movies you need that to, that open right. big, and cost like nothing to make and turn a profit i don't know how many more examples you need but here's another one for you yeah this that, is huge you know, for patrick wilson too in his directorial yeah, debut so the I'm directorial debut Great yeah job. i mean and he and he was making the rounds promoting this like crazy on because there's no late night tv right now because of the strike but he was all over daytime tv uh, uh on different talk shows and stuff really promoting this oh, okay. thing awesome. and uh it seemed like it was a real labor of love because i mean it brought that whole you know original lambert family back to 
do this one. It's and, a direct follow-up to chapter two. So it's like, you know, everyone that was in those first two movies is here back again. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I was reading an article about the Insidious series. It might have been from The Guardian or somewhere. And I honestly had not realized. I knew one of the last two Insidious movies was a prequel. I didn't realize this is the follow-up to the second one, that the last two were both prequels. So after prequels, movie, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, shit. I also think um, had he not been offered the director's chair – that he was like considering passing on the movie too, right? Yeah, I think he was. I think I think he had a, felt that there was a good opportunity for him to one direct, and then also if there was more story to tell, he can maybe help flesh it out. Because he said he thought he was honestly done after the second one, because you know they did those other two, even though they were prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought he was finished, and uh, no, guess not. There, I, mean, I guess there's still you know, legs. Yeah, there's still legs and one like of these you know, days I'll binge all... this series again and probably have fun doing it, but I really did not like the second Here, one. So well, here's what I was frustrated with because I was watching everyone on Twitter saying how they hate the franchise, and I was like, fine, <laughs> you can say that Jeez. you can say that about you can say that about maybe the second, third, fourth. That first movie is so good. And I, I mean I know you don't feel as strongly about it as like, I, I like do. it. I feel like my <laughs> comments made me think or made came across that I didn't I I do acknowledge I didn't like it as much on the last time I watched it, but still a great 2010s horror. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You're right. It's a good one. Yeah. And I mean, so, oh, I mean, it's not fair. It's definitely not. I mean, the second one, and, and it's such a disappointment because the first one's so good. And, and also yeah. the second one comes out the same year as The Conjuring. So I was like, oh, well. <laughs> that's like, a, yeah. We so like I said, your attention was split, James Wan, like and doing something shows. else. Yes. Um, but yeah, that first movie is solid. And dude, I mean, you know what? I mean, we're talking about 2010 horror movies. I, uh, when we were doing the It Follows deep dive, one of the things that kept coming up in like a lot of my research for It Follows is that a lot of critics consider It Follows to be the best horror movie or one of the best, or if not the best horror movie of the 2010s. And I was like trying to think of what else of the is 2010s? in there. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. And I was, and I was like, well, I was like, well, I was like, what else Ooh. is in there? I and I had to really, I, I had to really go back and look and like, all right, well, let's see what it stands up against. I haven't like really thought about it yet because I was like, that's a really big thing to think about. Yeah, <laughs> um, certainly, but now that you mentioned it, I kind of want to go through it. Like, I don't want to just let that talking point go. Like the, con- <laughs> like the Conjuring to me, like instantly comes up as number one, unless I'm sure it could be beat with further analysis. But like even Sinister from that same year, I hold those movies yeah. in a very similar. Sinister, Sinister also has one of the best jump scares ever. Uh, yeah, uh, so, so good. So good. So good. Ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, if, uh, I hereditary. Guess, oh, yeah. come on, come on. Yeah, come on. I think critics are looking at it more like intelligent and well written, okay. yeah. as opposed to like scary. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's how they're looking at it. I suppose you're, okay, it like, is, there's a lot of nuance to it. It's not a, It doesn't frighten me, but it is a good, cleverly written horror movie. You're certainly right. Yeah. Um, upon rewatch, though, I mean, it's a little unsettling. There's like, I was t- when we were talking about it, I was like, there's something about it where you're kind of on edge the entire time, like, wondering, like, when is something going to happen? Like, it feels like you're not safe watching it because mm, <laughs> right. there's like something is coming from somewhere. And uh, that's just the way that director created atmosphere and tension. But yeah, I was like reading that and I was like, yeah, I mean, because you brought up some good ones that could easily be better. Um, but I would have to really like, I guess it really depends. Like, again, horror. There are so many different things that you could weigh as what makes a good horror movie and what it's what kind of horror movie it's trying to be. So it's really hard to uh, like rate something under the horror umbrella because it really is so diverse. So yeah, if you maybe throw some different 
like qualities that to rank of the horror genre maybe it could be the top of some lists but like if you're looking at just that like i don't think it comes in as number one for me certainly in 2014 i would say yeah all right i mean all right jackson consult your friends see what they said yeah i mean actually i think about throwing that up on for one of the promo tools for the deep dive episode to see if they agree with that and I mean, if not idea. like what what is the their favorite or what they think is the best one um the last thing i wanted to mention about boxers where we predict uh mission impossible joyride unfortunately did not connect with audiences even though there was a lot of pre-release kind of they premiered at south by southwest it had a lot of good early notices too and 91 percent on Rotten tomatoes uh, from the people one percent yeah from people that i saw that early screenings of it from critics that i know that saw it they loved it thought it was funny um this is just another example that sometimes comedy does just not hit theatrically and that's pretty disappointing because i know there's an extra layer to this too because it's a predominantly asian cast and i think that has you know a lot of weight to like you know hey show up for these movies and yeah you know no one really did and it's unfortunate because it opened in sixth place with 5.8 million dollars it's going to be it'll be it'll be on video on demand before you know it uh to watch at home which i think that's Mm -hmm. the case with a lot of these comedies is that people they're not considered events anymore Mm -hmm. i think they're just considered something you can wait and watch at home and there's no real rush to go see them in theaters. No hard feelings is kind of booking that trade. It's made about forty point five million dollars. Okay, uh, wow. So far, and highest that's, that's about, R-rated comedy yeah, of what? Yeah. Of I think they said. I think I put. Uh, did they say decade or something? It was something I, weird, it, crazy yeah. number. Uh, yeah, yeah. It it worldwide weird. too, with the worldwide figure in it too. Yeah, um, yeah. Because so far, no hard feelings has grossed uh, sixty-seven point six million dollars worldwide. Good for it. Um, so good for it. Lot. So like there. So there. I mean, and that's a credit to, uh, I guess her name above the title. It was enough for her. To, she put yeah. butts in the seats, and the concept probably did it a bit too. But I'm sure. Sorry for so sorry for Joyride though, because I know that they were actually out in full force promoting that movie a lot too, mm. um, trying to get the word out, and it just didn't click. So that's unfortunate. I remember seeing the trailers for it in theaters, and for the most <laughs> part, I do think there's a lot to laugh at in that movie. But it did yeah. lose me at, and I haven't seen the movie, but there is a, they hint at a segment where like the main cast are going through and they got to pretend to be K-pop oh, stars. K-pop. And it looks yeah, like yeah. there might be a singing part. And like that, that for me was too much. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. You just like, like sit down your seat like, Ugh. <laughs> That would be if for those who have seen A Clockwork Orange where they're making Alex and they prop his eyelids open and he's watching the screen. <laughs> torturing him like that would be what you'd have to make me watch like i could not yeah. sit through that but for the most part I, you know it's it's disappointing though that audiences didn't show up for it but they had a lot of selection over the weekend and you can't go see everything so yeah i mean you still got you had the Sidious, you had the second weekend indiana jones there's this faith-based movie called sound of freedom they come out of nowhere and make a lot of money right? <laughs> um, you're hearing a lot it, of buzz about that it, yeah, it opened to $19.6 million and it has grossed $41.6 million since opening midweek last week. Uh, that's crazy. But those movies always come in and just kill it. Mm. And they they come in, make their money, and leave, much like the Jurassic yeah. Park movies. That's how my, my <laughs> friends <laughs> talked about Jurassic World. Yeah. I love that franchise. They just come in, make their money, and go. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, 
Yeah, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot out there. I think that has a lot to do with it too. I'm sure and it then, does. and then you also have two comedies, two R-rated comedies out. Yeah, around the same time. Those are also hard to make money as it is, and then you have two and against each other. Also, two female-driven R-rated yeah. comedies. So yeah, they. I think they kind of uh, fight against each, each other here at the throat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah. of midweek release, I I also still find it so odd that this movie is releasing on a Wednesday. But dead record. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if it's if it's to take advantage of the whole like IMAX thing longer than just like, opening Friday. That could be it. So we'll um, just have four four day. Wait, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll just have a five day. They uh, yeah, box up. You box so we opening so we can either do this as uh, the three day or the five day. I think we should um, do, like we would if it was a long weekend. I guess it's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. So would you do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as the three day? So the three day would be the so the three day would be considered the Friday, Saturday, okay. Sunday, okay. and then the five day would just you would start Wednesday and then go through the week. Okay, fair. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Um, let me see if I can pull up tracking for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Uh, the last I saw, it was at a hundred million for its opening weekend. Uh, let's see if that is still the case, which seems uh, I guess that's not low. I mean, I, was like, I thought it'd be like a little bit bigger, but I really uh, wasn't sure what to expect. I don't know how the last one's opened. I wasn't paying attention to this sort of thing. I'll throw in some numbers for you. Okay, fantastic. Um, so right now, okay, it's kind of come down a little bit. Deadline says that it's looking at maybe a 90 million, okay, 90 to 100 million opening weekend domestic. And uh, they said it's expected to place a franchise global five-day record of like global um, you know, here and yep. overseas of $250 million uh, in its opening weekend. I hope it does. Uh, uh, that would be great. Um, I'm going to kind of pull up. Should we just do the last, pull up the last two? Yeah, that's, uh, there's too many to go through them all. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, and I don't think actually the box office for like the rest of like the first three or right. four probably uh, even matters. So we'll go <laughs> no. with Fallout. Okay. <laughs> So Mission Impossible Fallout open. Oh, that's crazy. Open to $61.2 million. Ooh. Seems kind of low in retrospect, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, it ended up making $220.1 million domestic and $791.6 million worldwide on a $178 million budget. Whoa. Man, those movies have a worldwide appeal. Yeah, it's Tom Cruise. Two-thirds of the budget came <laughs> overseas? That's crazy. Yeah. And Rogue Nation... Uh, had a $55.5 million opening weekend. It made $195 million domestic and a, and a worldwide total of $682.7 million worldwide on a budget of $150 million. $487.6 million of that was international gross for, for Rogue Nation, Man. by the way. Um, so I guess the difference here, I feel like between Rogue Nation, Fallout, the franchise has only gotten bigger. Yes. So that's 60, that's $61 million opening for fallout seems low in retrospect. And I just think that not only has the franchise gotten bigger, but Tom Cruise with, even with Top Gun Maverick right. as a person, that's, as a presence yes. has gotten bigger. I'm um, factoring Maverick's success into box office tracking for dead reckoning. hundred percent. Right. He's still very much right. top of mind for action film goers. And even just people that maybe haven't revisited the series in a while that are thinking about catching this one in theaters that maybe enjoyed Maverick. Like I'm yeah. sure that will impact numbers. Yeah. Um, um, that being said, you want to go first or you want to go? Or you want me to uh, go first? I don't 
<laughs> I think it'll hit the target. I just want to. Uh, I'm optimistic with this one. I just I'm not sure how, how much optimistic. over it I think it's going to go. But like when you think about man, so do you think the high? You think the high end of the target or the low end of the target? High end. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm going to go over a hundred million. I just don't know. I think I want to settle at one hundred five. But oh, man, oh you bastard! <laughs> I, I was gonna pick 105 too. Yeah, we can pick 105. We, can, <laughs> we don't ever agree or like aim right. the same number. I won't. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm going 105. Yeah. Okay, I like that. We don't always. I can't remember the last time that happened, but yeah. um, yeah, I'm optimistic. But then, like, I'm also thinking that's like almost not quite, but almost double with the last one open to, which you're right. It is yeah. low. I don't know if that means anything, but that seems like quite the stretch. Yeah. That, I mean, the, the argument that deadline brings up, they compare it to like the 007 movies is that it's still an older skewing franchise compared to most. Like, you know how like the fast and furious skews a little young. They don't think the mission impossible franchise does as much as those do. Interesting. Um, but I kind of, it feels like I know a lot of younger people that like it, but I could see it being more of an older like attractive more to an older uh, audience than okay. most of these action movies. Um, but yeah, I think 105 is a good number to land on. And yeah. honestly, I say that. And if it goes beyond that, I wouldn't be surprised either. If it no, kind of exactly. like That's some... pops up a little above it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be I wouldn't be surprised. I, wanted, I want to be, I want it to be higher, but I'm yeah. trying to be as accurate as possible. And that number popped yeah, into th- mind. So those Thursday, uh, preview oh actually wednesday preview those wednesday numbers will be interesting to see and then yes. like by the time we get to friday i'm like we'll have a bigger picture of like where it's going send um, those my way when wednesday numbers come out yeah but i will uh yeah so we're both on 105 yeah perfect there we go Fantastic. mission impossible dead reckoning uh and then guys uh i can't wait because after the next week we'll be predicting we're gonna we're gonna do both of them next week. Usually we pick one movie. We'll we'll, we'll do predictions for Barbie and Oppenheimer next oh, week. Oh, we're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we can't. We can't. If we I'm pick excited. one, we're just giving it. We're just giving into the whole like one over the other uh, war mentality. Too. <laughs> like no, we're gonna predict both of those next week uh, for Definitely. you guys. Um, but yeah, um, hope to see Mission Impossible do some good business, bring in some money. And uh, yeah, excited. Certainly. Should be yeah, good. It's uh, yeah. hopefully going to be a healthy box office going forward for the rest of the summer after some duds. So I'm really hoping people go yeah. out. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that five day weekend affects things. I just don't remember. I can't think of any example of that. I'm sure it has happened. I just it, don't usually, know. It's usually kind of with a holiday. It's usually with a holiday right. that, that happens. But like, I bet you're right yeah. with the IMAX thing. I bet you they're just trying to, you know, rake in like extra time as much as they can. Yeah. But yeah, all right, uh, shall we? Yeah, let's do okay. it. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much uh, for listening to Gaius and I chat about our favorite thing. This has been episode 108. I had to double check which number because we just filmed 107, but this has been episode 108 <laughs> of Back yeah. to the Blockbuster. We are far past episode 100 now, and guys, still so very grateful for you guys for tuning in listening to us each week. We'll have some different sort of things to throw at you on social media this week, so stay tuned. To anywhere you guys get your social media at the handle at back to the blockbuster also for those of you that have listened to our past episodes know as of july 7th playlist has now launched their app on ios devices so you guys can listen to us there they uh heavily feature us there it's great the app is working fantastic and we really want to you know put you guys on there if you guys are looking for a different place to get your podcast but of course you guys know you can find us wherever you guys listen to your podcasts again that's at back to the blockbuster this has been episode 108 Thanks for joining us again, guys, and we'll see you next time. 
Yep. Peace. Right. Take care of yourselves.